0: Good morning. Welcome to First UU of Wausau, truly a special and beloved place for liberal religion in Wausau and our surrounding community. I have been a member here for at least 20 years, and it is a cornerstone of my life. The friends that I have made here, the lessons I have learned here have been just paramount to who I am, and I welcome you today. I especially want to welcome all of our guests and visitors today, and please know that we are all welcome to um, speak with you at any time after the service, to give you tours, to talk about this um, wonderful place if you have any questions. Since 1858, UU Wausau has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people, just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are most welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. We have many announcements, some that you've probably seen in the order of service, many from RE on the pink insert and then also some Congregation wide opportunities, and I wanted to highlight a couple in particular. The first Sunday of every month, we always do a potluck, so today is your lucky day. Um, upstairs after church, there is a potluck for everyone. Everyone is welcome. If you were not able to bring something, there is always a lot of food, so please join us upstairs. And in addition, on Thursday night this week at 6 o'clock, UU Wausau is celebrating Passover and we are having a Seder dinner. There is a sign up in the atrium that we would probably appreciate if you could sign up just for some ordering of food. But if you haven't signed up yet, please feel free to do so and we will um, celebrate that tradition together. UU Wausau is also hosting a Red Cross Blood Drive on Tuesday, April 11th. So, please contact Donica if you can volunteer to help welcome and check in donors during the drive. And you can also sign up to donate blood at redcrossblood.org. And then mark your calendars. One of our other traditions that has been kind of off and on during the pandemic years, but it's called Second Friday Nighters. And this month we are going to have the Second Friday Nighters here. Greg and Leanne Van and Tim and Karen Peterson are going to host this intergenerational gathering. And it's from six to eight o'clock. So please bring a favorite game or games if you wish, and a snack and a beverage, and we will gather here for fun and fellowship. And with that, I would ask us to join together in our Church's chalice lighting, which is printed in the order of worship We light this chalice for the light of truth the warmth of love and the fire of commitment We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together
1: Well, we gather on land where many others have lived, we gather in a place where many others have come to worship. We gather this Sunday morn to worship in spirit and truth, to raise a joyful noise to the eternal mystery, to reconfirm our covenant to seek wisdom in love, to strengthen our commitment to the common good. We come from many paths to explore that which is hidden, to consider the ways of our hearts, to confess how we have stumbled, to heal what is broken. We assemble in the effort to quicken our compassion and mercy, to deepen our understanding, to renew our courage, to remember who we are. Thus do we celebrate the grace and gift of life and practice our faith to the greater glory of the spirit of justice, the spirit of love, the spirit of life. Come, let us worship, let us shape worth together. I invite you to open your gray hymnals to hymn number six, Just as long as I have breath, rise in body or spirit, as you are able. remain standing and join me in our affirmation printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church, the quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. And join me in our doxology.
2: share with you the story of the spring surprise by Kirstie Johnson, but I'm going to need your help in telling it. On the screen, and then in your order of worship, there's a pink sheet, and you're going to find some cues for some sound effects. When I get to that character in the story, you all are going to provide the sound effect on the list that corresponds to it. So we're going to run through it once. So we have squirrels that go, (coughs) perfect. Sparrows go, cheep, cheep. Mouse or mice go squeak, squeak. Frogs go ribbit. Little tadpoles who haven't quite earned their full ribbit go rib, rib, rib. The grass goes, oh. The pond goes plop, plop, or you can go. <laughs> Peepers go peep, peep, peep. Nighthawks go squee, squee. And the daffodils, who deserve a voice too, say, hello, sunshine. Perfect. We're ready to begin. It wasn't a particularly hard winter that year, but it was long and dreary and colorless. No wonder then that when the first winds of April blew, warm breath across the land, the land began to turn green and the wild creatures on four feet and the wing took notice. The first creature, a small brown mouse sat back on her haunches, and smelled the warm air. She knew what this meant. The green time was coming, and the first small shoots of grass, which tasted so very good, would begin to slow, show themselves. Ah, sighed the small brown mouse, tender grass, to nibble on and to line my nest for my babies. The small brown mouse was not the only creature glad to smell spring in the air. The fuzzy-tailed squirrel scampered to and fro and up and down trees. He paused for a moment to watch the sparrow and her mate work on their nest. Mrs. Sparrow wanted to line the nest with soft lint and grass in a particular way. Mick Sparrow was getting tired of her bossing, and they soon flew off and hid behind a daffodil, which was nodding in the breeze. Fuzzy tailed squirrel shook his tail and scampered off. He remembered a spot where he had hidden a particularly juicy horse chestnut. He hoped that little brown mouse had not found it. High overhead, Nighthawk surveyed the land. His favorite tree was still there, and his neighbor, fuzzy-tailed squirrel, was there, too. He passed his winters far to the south, but he was always glad to return home. The trees were all fuzzy and green with baby leaves, and the flowering trees were bright with colored petals. And there were daffodils (laughs) waving and nodding to him. The warm spring sun showed down upon the land, upon the grass, that glowed green with vigor upon the little brown mouse as she put the finishing touches on her her nest and upon the daffodils too. The sun gave warmth to the wings of the nighthawk as he soared upon the wind and beamed upon the sparrow. Family as they worked. A bit more cooperatively this time on their nest. The sun gleamed at the fuzzy tailed squirrel as they scampered about. It even glittered upon the pond far below. Down in the quiet of the pond, where the water never quite froze, even in deep midwinter, the warmth of the sun began to heat the water until suddenly the frogs popped out of their winter mud nests. Tadpoles, began to swim in the sun-warm pond, and they dreamed of jumping high into the air to see the grass at the edge of their world. The peepers joined the chorus, and the pond added music to the colors of spring. And there, in the musical, colorful world where the grass was green and the daffodils nodded in the breeze. Where tadpoles dreamed and swam in the warm waters of the pond. Where fuzzy-tailed squirrels scampered in the trees as the night hawk settled into his tree while the sun shone down. On the little brown mouse had her babies, and the sparrows laid four eggs, and what had been the promise of spring became the fulfillment of it. And that was our story for today. Big round of applause for those wonderful sound effects. (laughs) Now please join me in blessing our children off to their RE group this morning with May Peace Surround You. The words are printed in your order of service.
0: Let there be an offering to sustain and strengthen this place which is sacred to so many of us a community of memory and of hope for we are now the keepers of the dream the mission and ministry of uu Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members rather than pass a plate at this time We've placed a basket at the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in on your way out. And you can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support.
1: Dan George was the chief of the Tsleil-Waututh Nation, a Coast Salish uh, band near Vancouver. He was an actor, a musician, a poet. Um, he was the, uh, an actor in Little Big Man, if you remember that movie. And this is his prayer. The beauty of the trees, the softness of the air, the fragrance of the grass speaks to me. The summit of the mountain, the thunder of the sky, the rhythm of the sea speaks to me. The faintness of the stars, the freshness of the morning, the dewdrop on the flower speaks to me. The strength of fire, the taste of salmon, The trail of the sun and the life that never goes away. They speak to me, and my heart soars. Please join me in a short time of contemplation, centering, prayer. Please open your teal hymnals to hymn number 1031, Filled with Loving Kindness, and if you would remain where you are. Woodman is a Canadian psychologist and author, and in her book, Conscious Femininity, she writes, William Blake says the body is that portion of the soul discerned by the five senses. I live with that idea. I sit and look out my window here in Canada, and the trees are brown against the blue sky, and I can feel their food coming into my eyes and going down, 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 interacting inside, and I fill up. My soul is fed. I see, I smell, I taste, I hear, I touch. Through the orifices of my body, I give and I receive. I am not trying to capture what is absent, It's that interchange between the embodied soul and the outside world that is the dynamic process. That's how growth takes place. That's life. Frederick Buckner uh, was an American author and a Presbyterian minister. And he writes, The swallows, the rooster, the workman, my stomach, all with their elusive rhythms, their harmonies and disharmonies and counterpoint, became, as I listened, the sound of my own life speaking to me, Never had I heard just such a coming-together of sounds before, and it is unlikely that I will ever hear them in just the same combination again. Their music was unique and unrepeatable and beyond describing in its freshness. I have no clear idea what the sounds meant or, or what my life was telling me. What does the song of a swallow mean? What is the muffled sound of a hammer trying to tell. And yet as I listened in those sounds and listened with something more than just my hearing, I was moved by their inexpressible eloquence and suggestiveness, by the sense I had that they were a music rising up out of the mystery of not just my life, but of life itself. In much the same way, that is what I mean by saying that God speaks into or out of the thick of our days. So listen, listen. What what is it that you hear? We each live in a familiar stew of sounds. There are favorite songs, love songs, lullabies, sounds blaring from a boombox, or ringtones from a cell phone that tell you who's calling you, that can tell everybody that you're getting a message. Sounds from a CD player pouring into your ears alone. The hymns. These days, if you get into a uh, an elevator, Muzak, the news from radio or television, the, the low-level constant hum of our laptops. But we each live in a, a familiar stew of sounds. Our, our children, partners, friends, classmates, coworkers, their lectures and conversations and, and just plain talk. The the sounds of this city, of Wausau and its environs, its streets and skies, its rivers and lakes. The cardinal that's been saying hello to us these last few Sundays from the top of a tree. Well, we each live in a familiar stew of sounds. Our, Our breath. Our breath in and out through nose or mouth. Our heart sounds. The slow and rhythmic, ba bum ba is immediately familiar and comforting. Now, a faster pace produces anxiety or or fear. A slower pace elicits calm. Our, Our pulse is a silent metronome of regularity, normality, continuing life. We notice if it's not going in the usual rhythm. Now, this cacophony of sound has made me wonder, what do I hear? What is it that I hear? And when do I use sound as an emotional curtain? Kind of blinders to my ears. Well, in Montana... We've moved around a bit. In Montana, my familiar sounds included the magpies croaking loudly in the morning. Now, a dozen or so would come to our bird feeders, jostling each other for the day's scraps. My youngest brother visited us, and he asked me, how could we stand all that racket? Oh, that and the donkey. I must say the donkey was pretty loud. Um, Hee-haw, hee-haw. You got used to it. It was lovely. Now, shortly after I uh, arrived in Chicago for seminary, I, I asked the very same thing. How could they stand all that racket? How could anyone bear the noises of those cars, those buses, the trucks, the Metra, the, the rapid transit system, oh, the fire engines screaming up and down the street where I lived, and, and then there was the outrageous clang of garbage cans at 5 in the morning. seemed like every morning. Ah, But you get used to it. I was told, you get used to it and you simply don't notice it after a while. And it's true. It's true. I simply didn't notice it after a while. It it helped me uh, when I I moved to Duluth with my husband and and we're on a fairly busy street. You simply don't notice it after a while. So I been thinking, what, what do I hear these days? What do I hear and what don't I hear? Well, I certainly hear birds. Every morning when I wake, there's a chickadee or a crow. There's a, um, there are the starlings building their nest in the corner of our house. Some days there's a cardinal or a downy woodpecker. The birds chirp and squawk. They peck and sheep and sigh. There are squirrels, too. The deer and the rabbits don't make so much noise. But I, I think I, I, I didn't always hear birds. Um, now, my parents' home was near a parkway, just right across the street from a parkway, and it was filled, I'm sure, with the sounds of birds, of robins and cardinals and blue jays, and I don't remember any of it. I don't remember those sounds of my childhood. I simply didn't hear birds. But as an adult, One day on a bright spring afternoon, I was hiking up a a fir tree covered hillside and and I was startled by a a soft thwap, thwap sound. And and I I looked up and and then I looked out and and I saw this eagle flying below me, flapping its wings. The soft thwap, the, the thwap opened up the sounds of nature to me, a- and I've been listening to her sounds ever since. Thank you. Thank you, Eagle. Now, Diane Ackerman, in her natural sen- history of the senses, and-, and these books that I mentioned, they're mostly down here. Take a look. Diane Ackerman is a naturalist and a poet, and she writes about sound. In Arabic, absurdity is not being able to hear. Now, surd is a a mathematical impossibility. It's an irrational number like pi. It's the core of the word absurdity. Now, surd, we get from Latin surdus, meaning deaf or mute. Surd also, I I, um, do a lot of phonetics with the kindergartners I work with, and in phonetics, a surd is a sound that's uttered with the breath and not the voice. Fox, ha. Kuh. 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 kite. It's not an explosion of sound. Kuh. Now Ackerman continues, Surdus is a translation from the Arabic jadr asam, which is a deaf root, which in turn is a relative of the Greek alogos, meaning no word, to be speechless or irrational in your speech. So it She takes this. This she, she stretches the the um, origins a little bit. But Latin to Arabic to Greek, deaf to deaf root, to irrational. Now Ackerman writes: the assumption hidden in this etymological nest of spiders is that the world will still make sense to someone who is blind or armless or minus a nose. But if you lose your sense of hearing, a crucial thread dissolves and you lose track of life's logic. You become cut off from the daily commerce of the world as if you were a root buried beneath the soil. Sounds thicken the sensory stew of our lives and we depend on them to help us interpret, communicate with, and express the world around us. Outer space is silent, but on Earth, almost everything can make a sound. Now, sound, of course, is vibration. So, deaf people too can hear. The the young deaf woman in uh, uh, the movie *Children of a Lesser God* sways and dances to the music she hears through the soles of her feet. Helen Keller listened to Enrico Caruso singing by placing her fingers on his neck. So, listen. What do you hear? With too many sounds, our listening may, be, may become selective. Um, think about being around a two- or three-year-old. Um, and true hearing may stop. With too many sounds, with too much sensory overload, hearing may stop. And I, I don't think that I always heard pain when I encountered it. Um, I was a nurse uh, who worked at a a local community hospital for a number of years. It was a tiny community hospital, we boasted 24 beds. It had been a a busy week, I had been in charge and I had been taking care of an 86 year old woman, a woman in rapidly failing health and a a woman who was dying and, and then died on my shift. I called for the doctor and prepared her body for its weight um, in the morgue. Now, later in the week, a little girl, a three-year-old, in remission from leukemia was rushed to our emergency room. She had been in remission, but she had gone into respiratory arrest um, while she and her mother were on an Alaska airliner. There was a doctor on the board who, who started CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, and there was um, little he could do. There was nothing we could do in our emergency room to infuse her with life again. Now, I had remained calm and professional throughout. I had followed procedures. I had started an IV. I'd injected drugs I remained calm and professional throughout, and I remained deaf to her mother's unbelieving shock and rising grief. Now, at the end of this week, our radio told us of a 56-year-old man who was um, in cardiac arrest. He was coming to us from his fishing boat The Coast Guard helicopter also brought his 34-year-old daughter who had been on board, who had been doing CPR, um, trying to resuscitate her father, following the radio operator's instructions. And and again, there was nothing we could do to revive him, um, to infuse him with life again. His daughter held her father's hand and cried and repeated, Why? Why, Daddy? while the the doctor tried to console her. Now me, I left. I walked back towards the nurse's station uh, because I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. The sounds of her grief, her bereavement, all of the grief and bereavement I'd heard that week had had cracked open a chink in my well-armored self. And the vibrations of that inconsolable Loss, um, unsettled my inner ear, disturbed my balance. It's probably one of the reasons I'm here with you today. Now, I still wasn't listening well, but at least I could hear a little better. So listen, what do you hear? Kathy Thompson, who teaches courses on conversation at Alverno College in Milwaukee, was quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying that we have become a nation of interrupters. At our house, Thompson says, we warn new friends to be careful because we treat conversation like a competitive sport. The first one to take a breath is considered the listener. I have a high school friend who's... who's Family was like that. They were also competitive eaters. Ah, what a group. The Stoic philosopher Epictetus told us over 2,000 years ago that God gave humans two ears but only one mouth that we might hear twice as much as we speak. And I wonder, do I follow that ratio? Do we follow that ratio in our relationship, in our communities, in our congregation? So listen, what do you hear? Now, listening to silence can be filled with meaning. Context is everything. The, the silence in, of a monastery in meditation, the silence filled with a room of listeners, the silence of the pulpit before I speak the silence of illness and its long stretches of persistence, the silence of hearing loss, or the silence of a house after divorce or death. In her book, Amazing Grace, A Vocabulary of Faith, Author Kathleen Norris writes of her days as an artist in elementary schools. She she made a deal with her students. First, you get to make noise, all the noise that you want, and when I lower my hand, you stop. She needed to explain silence to the children. Silence meant breathing normally and sitting so still that you made no noise at all. And she writes, we always had to try this more than once. A pencil would roll down someone's desk or or someone would shift in a seat. But in every case but one, over many years, I found that children were able to become so still that silence became a presence in the classroom. Some kids loved it, others weren't so sure. It's, It's scary, a fifth grader complained to me. Why, I asked, and I believe that he got to the heart of it when he replied, it's like we're waiting for something. It's scary. Well, after hearing an exceptionally unruly class whose teacher shrieked commands at them, Norris concluded, listening is surely a prerequisite for silence. Silence undergirds listening. Silence opens the door for listening. As one of Norris' students, a little girl from a tiny town in western North Dakota, offered, silence reminds me to take my soul with me wherever I go. (laughs) Silence reminds me to take my soul with me wherever I go. Now, silence may be filled with Awe may be tranquil. Silence may be fathomless. Silence may indicate despair, grief, death. The silence before a storm, no birds, no leaf sounds. You know that You may know that silence, the silence before um, uh, a twister is coming. It screams, danger to those in the know. Now, life is full of silences to be listened to. Silences is scarier to listen to and much harder to find. We take a couple minutes of silence here. Um, It's hard to find that silence. We try to find it in our congregations, if not in our daily lives for, well, sometimes for just 30 seconds, a minute or two at a time. So listen, listen. What do you hear? (sniffs) Unitarian history speaks about people who want to discover the truth, either the small T or, or the capital T. We want to hear that voice of truth. We want to find out what is true in this world. We listen for that still, small voice within us, voice still and small, deep within all, I hear you call, calling to us from from the world. The listening for truth takes a lot of time. Truth comes in whispers, in shouts, in songs and poetry, in stillness. Truth comes in listening to the vocalized and non-vocalized strains of the world. Universalist history tells us that we all have a place at the table. God, if you want to use that word, God welcomes all to a place at the table. We welcome all to a place at the table. That is a lot of voices to listen to. Some of those voices tell us what it is easy to hear, that you are loved, that you are competent, that you are needed. And some of the Tell us what it is difficult to hear that injustice and cruelty and evil persist, and that we may be guilty in some direct or, or indirect way in that injustice, that cruelty. Some voices give you a message that you may hear, but that you cannot or should not, should not listen to, that you are unlovable, that you are hopeless, that you are shameful, that you have no home, no haven of safety on this earth. We hear those voices over and over again during this season, election season. Universalism speaks a message of love and hope, of grace, of moments of unasked for and unexpected serenity of mind and clarity of purpose. Everyone, a place at the table. So listen, what do you hear? Now Barbara Brown Taylor writes, I am wondering about the place of listening in a preacher's life. Barbara Brown Taylor, a wonderful Episcopal priest who left the church because she listened to God. And she asked, where do you go to listen for God's silence and God's speech? Who taught you to do that and whom have you taught to do the same thing? Silence and speech define each other. One is the inhale, the other is the exhale like prayer and proclamation, or meditation and preaching. They perfect each other. Although in our day, she concludes, their ecology is seriously out of whack. Now I have been thinking that here at the Wausau Universalist Unitarian Church, we are charged we are charged by our covenants, our promises to each other, to learn how to speak with one another. Not to speak at one another, to one another, with one another. We are also called to learn how to listen. Now I confess, sometimes I'm a pretty good listener and sometimes I am not. Sometimes we are pretty good listeners and sometimes we are not. Every day is a day of learning of hope, of forgiving ourselves, of forgiving others. So listen, what do you hear? May we hear these sounds, that we are challenged to bring truth and beauty to our lives through words, through good work, through right relationship, through art and music and dance. May we hear these sounds, Our breath breathing easily, our own hearts beating steadily, our own bodies doing the best we can in an often cacophonous world. May we hear these sounds, the sweet, poignant, agitating stirrings of the world, whether of cars and sirens, of garbage cans, or chickadees, of children a waterfall, ribbit, ribbit, plip-plop, scree-scree. May we be blessed in our listening and in our response to what we hear. May our inner ear, our metaphorical gyroscope, bring us balance, steady our course, tell us which way is up. This faith, this faith we have been called to, has much listening in it. Listening to stories, listening to fears and joys, listening to our inner workings, listening to silence. So listen long, listen deep, listen rich and messy. May it be so. May we make it so. Blessed be and amen. I invite you to open your gray hymnals to hymn number 316, Tradition Held Fast. And if you would rise in body or spirit as you are able. And now may the peace that passes understanding, the peace which the world can neither give nor take away, may that peace live in us, work through us, abide among us. Shalom, salam, peace. Please be seated for your postlude.